Hello, Wealth Matters listeners. This is your host, Alpesh Parmar. This is episode number two. I was at New Orleans Investment Conference from November 1st through November 3rd of 2018. I was able to meet the famous Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, who I consider as my mentor, Tom Wilwright of Tax-Free Wealth, Peter Schiff of Crash Proof, and Adam Taggart and Chris Martinson from Peak Prosperity. I learned a lot at the conference, and I also networked with like-minded individuals. I met with a company who invests in cannabis business, and I decided to invite Pete from Green Zone 360. So uh, I met Pete at New Orleans Investment Conference a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I've been looking into investing in cannabis businesses, and I was intrigued by the business model presented by Pete. Uh, so here we have Pete from Green Rush 360. Yeah, it's, it's um, Green Zone 360. We, we talk all about the Green Rush. Um, and, and the reality is cannabis has a lot of opportunities in it right now. Um, whether you want to get in on the business side of the plant or whether you want to get in on the, the building side, right? Because there's a lot of different aspects that people really aren't looking at as far as cannabis goes. They think, well, if we're talking about cannabis, all we're talking about is cultivation or growing the plant. And that's yeah. literally, that is just scratching the surface. And that's exactly what I thought. And I kept saying no. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when we, when we looked at the opportunity, um, we really looked at, we looked at the green rush as the gold rush, right? And when you think about the gold rush, you think about who made all the money in the gold rush. It wasn't the guys looking for gold. It really wasn't. No. It was the guys selling all the shovels, yes. right? Just standing on the side, selling shovels. Exactly. So we went, okay, we've got this cannabis boom happening. We've got the green rush that's happening, America's green rush. What do we do about that? How do we, how do we engage? How do we, as an investor, as any of your investors have to be looking at this, how do we get involved in this boom without getting blown up, right? How do we mitigate as much risk? And so we looked at it from the golden shovels point. And what, what we found, and a few other people might have found as well, is the fact that, look, one, in order to get a license, you must have real estate. So if you can control real estate and build it out and develop it for what these people are going to need, it puts you in a position of, of need, right? It puts you in a great position as a landlord. These are triple net leases. You're talking about getting two to three times what the, what the typical lease for the area would be. And people are doing that. They're putting down big payments and they're signing long contracts, five, 10 year contracts. As a landlord, that's insane. Like, are you kidding me? Somebody's going to give me a decent down payment, they're gonna pay uh, or, or sign up for a three to, uh, or a three to five year lease at a, a triple net lease where they're taking care of the taxes, they're taking care of the insurance, and they're doing all the improvements. As a landlord, that's amazing. And then the other shovel that we saw was, was, uh, was testing. And the reason behind that was because as this gets regulated, more and more tests are coming on board. There's more and more things that the government wants to make sure that the consumers know about the product, which is a great thing. The problem is implementing that great thing, right? And yeah. so you have 
all these really big pharmaceutical testing labs that can't touch cannabis because federally it's illegal. Right. Right. So you have, you have a ton of testing labs. I mean, are there enough? Absolutely. Are there enough for cannabis? Not even no. remotely. And why? Because the moment they touch cannabis, the moment they get that CUP, boom, they're done with any federal contracts. Do you remember Elon Musk when he oh, was yeah. on the Fred Rogan show? Oh my gosh, the, the, the internet went nuts because this guy <laughs> toked on a, on, a, on a thing and he's like, oh, yeah. he's going to lose his, his contracts. He's going to lose this. There's exactly. still a big stigma about yeah. it. Yeah, right? that's the problem. <laughs> and, that, and that's where you have an advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really understanding that we're going from the black market to the free market. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of people that are coming out of the woodwork that for the last 20 years, they've been in a house, in a suburban house, three doors down from you. And that electric bill is five times your electric bill, but you don't know it. People don't know it. And what they're needing to do now is get out of that illegal environment and put this product into a legal environment. Legal, yes. And the problem is even in California, we need 300 to 350 million square feet of, of warehouse space. Wow. We don't have anywhere near remotely that. Wow, we don't. <laughs> right? So, so there's a huge advantage. Now, the, the second advantage comes to us with the fact that it's illegal federally. And where people freak out about that, what you need to realize is this. If it's legal federally, that means we have access to all kinds of money and don't need private lenders. So the fact that states are legalizing it, you have these, these memorandums and things going through that are saying, look, if a state is okay with it, federal government doesn't come in and mess with it. And you can check facts. You can look back. If, if this was going to happen, Colorado would have been shut down as a state, right? I mean, the, yes. the fact of the matter is I agree. It, it's majority. I mean, you're talking $121 million in income in 2016, 85% of which came from the black market. Wow. That's huge. Wow. That's huge. People were spending the money. They yeah. just weren't keeping it in their community. And our focus is how do we keep it in our community? Okay. Okay. So um, can you give us some background about you and how did you end up in this business? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, for real, like me even talking about cannabis just blows me away in the first place. Um, I come from 15 years doing real estate. I started out doing uh, mobile homes, oh. moved into doing some multifamily. I've done single family. And the latest thing that I was doing was we were raising millions of dollars and we were doing high-end flips in Beverly Hills and Palm mm. Desert. And I was out on a trip literally with one of my friends and we were driving and he's doing this text message and he's like, oh man, I can't believe that. And I was like, what? You know, just, just talking, no big deal. What? My mom got ripped off. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean she got ripped off? Well, she had a, a barn that she had some kids from Davis that were growing weed in it and they basically took everything. And I'm like, hold on, man. What, what are you talking about? Your mom is growing weed in her barn? Like what? And he was like, well, yeah, in 2018, it's going to be legal. And it was like, I got hit with a semi. All of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I didn't even, I wasn't putting all this together because my brain was still back with, Colorado's doing it, but that's just a fringe thing. Nobody's going to really be involved in it. You know what I mean? And now, yeah. now you've got the sixth largest economy that has approved this. We've, we've, got some, we've got some moving to do. That's interesting. Right? So uh, how long uh, is the company been in business? When did you guys start the business? And 
Yeah. So, so we've had green zone. Our company has been around for about a year and a half. The first thing we did was a reg D. So it was accredited investors okay. only, right? We literally, and I keep forgetting this. I actually told Mark this this morning. We keep forgetting to say that our reg A plus that anybody can invest in, it was literally just approved. We are one of a handful of reg A pluses that are even in existence period. And we're the only reg A plus that deals only in cannabis real estate and testing labs. There's only two other reg A's that are even in existence for cannabis. One of them is high times and all it is is publication and events. So it really has nothing to do with cannabis uh. at all. It's just in that industry, right? The other one is a company that is basically put this together to infuse cannabis into products. So it's more of a edible type of company right. um, or that type of thing. We're the only one focused solely on real estate and testing labs or the golden shovels. So let me, let me backtrack or let's go back. I know sure. most of the listeners understand uh, who is an accredited investor, but I uh -huh. think we should talk about that as well again. So yeah. uh, who is an accredited investor? An accredited investor is any single person that earns $200,000 or more and expects to continue to earn that this right. year or $300,000 if they're married, married and continue to do the same. The other way that they can qualify is if they have a million dollars in assets minus the house that they live yeah. in. Yeah, so minus primary residence. Correct. You need to have more than a million dollars worth of assets. You, you, you can't have a Taj Mahal house, right? And no. go, ah, oh, I've got this $20 million house. I'm, I'm accredited. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. No. So. So yeah, as long as, as you're accredited, then, and we made our minimum really, really doable. I mean, you're talking 50K for a minimum on, a, on an accredited investor program. And literally this one is awesome for our, our anybody program. It was a minimum of 100 shares at $4.20 a share. Oh, so wow. A $420 minimum. Because here's <laughs> the thing. My partner was in social work. My, um, one of a, a close family member of mine when I was about 10 years ago, I was going to say when I was like 35, but about 10 years ago, they came to me and, and they wanted a way out. And the problem was they were with a, a spouse that made a lot of money and they had no way to get out of the situation. And I think a lot of people end up in that situation, right? And they, yeah. they want to be they want to be free of, of what the, the situation they're in, but they don't have the monetary means to do that. And so what, what we came up with as a team was the 420 fund where for $420, you can at least get involved. This company's going public. So you're literally getting in on this IPO and you're able to really change your life. And we made it so it's, it's possible for anyone, anyone, whether you're 18 or 81. So I, I like the number 420. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great number, right? I mean, we wanted to have significance behind it. That's right. the whole point. So it's interesting. So you mentioned Reg D as well as Reg A plus. So uh -huh. uh, just to remind the listener, Reg D is where you know only accredited investors can invest. Correct. And that's where, as Pete mentioned, fifty k is the minimum. Uh, but they also have Reg A plus, and which is what I think a lot of uh, you know a lot of the listeners can get in as well at at much lower entry point. Uh, Correct. But again, I, I, we do not want to just talk about. Uh, you know how no 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 the, i mean there are other funds you can look at other ways to invest the, the bottom line is you know i travel around the us right and we talk about 
um, how to make money in cannabis. And there's really three main issues that people make, three main problems. The first problem is the field of dreams mistake. And we call it that because they think, well, if I build it, they will come. As long as I have a bunch of weed, as long as I have a bunch of, of oil, as long as I have a bunch of brownies, people are gonna come. And that's just not a reality. This is a real business. And if you don't treat it like a real business, you are going to fail. You cannot get up at 11 o'clock and think that that's gonna be okay. It just isn't. The second mistake we call the Ben Franklin blunder. And that's because it's all about the money. I've heard over and over and over again, oh, as soon as cannabis is legal, the price is gonna go up. But it's like, hold on. That's, that's impossible because with supply and demand, it forces that price back right. down, which really brings us into that third mistake, which means it's all about business and, and all about permitting, licensing, and staying in compliance. Because the, 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 the bottom line is your business failing is not the worst thing that can happen to you. You going to jail is the worst thing right. that can happen to you. Right. And that has everything to do with staying in compliance. So you need to know who you're working with and making sure that they're not just this person who they've been in the weed business for 20 years because that's the people that are having problems. They're coming in now looking for real business people to work with because they need help. The city of Eureka came to us and was asking us to come up and do developments up there because they have a ton of, of cannabis operators that want, to, that want to have a business up there, but they don't have enough green space for it. They have the property for it, but these guys keep failing in building inspections because they're not getting that done right. Because again, we're going from the black market to the free market, right? So there's, there's challenges that a lot of people that have never done building are going to face. Things happen. Things take longer. Yes. You've got to get permits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, what, what, is the, what is your business model? Our business model is simple. Um, for us, we raise money from private investors, we erect buildings and then lease or sell those to uh, cannabis operators. And then we take those returns and give them back to the investors. It's oh. pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's uh -huh. really, really simple. And the thing about it was I, I've traveled around for, for years. I've worked with people like Armando Montalongo and, and all these different um, you know, seminar companies, right? That all pitch how to have generational wealth. And here's the problem with their generational wealth program. It costs 30 grand to get in. And then as soon as you do, you've got to buy these properties and you've got to get in and you're doing it all on your own. We saw a, a, a really a fundamental problem with that. The other issue is if you're looking at cash flow, they're saying, well, buy this house, buy this house. So great. You buy a house. Now all your money's gone and you're making 200 bucks or 800 bucks um, a month. That doesn't really change anybody's life. But when you talk about what we're doing, we're developing 10 buildings. We're keeping two, selling eight. Selling eight is going to give us a 97% return for our investors, including a 6.9 cap rate on the two that we keep. So not only are they going to get like, right, they get, let's say they put in 100 grand. Not only are they going to get like $97,000 back within the next year, but as we, we've already got renters for everything, as we rent all these properties out, now they're getting $6,900 a year for the next five to eight years, as long as we keep them. And then when we sell those buildings, they get another 40 grand hit. And that 40 grand is based off of us only at a 1% increase, even though California has had a 13% 
increase overall. Our whole goal has always been to over or, or to under promise, over deliver, under promise, over deliver. And that's the kind of company that, that people want to work with, right? That's of the course. kind of business you want to be with is somebody that's looking at everything that can go wrong and going, okay, let's account for all of this. And then more on our build, for instance, we calculated a $73 per square foot to build it. And Mark actually had it locked in now for $38 a square foot, giving us almost a $4 million buffer in our cost wow. to build. So now if something goes wrong and we need to put in a new drain, we don't have to go back to our investors. We, we have the money. And what this, what this actually does is give our investors whatever we don't use, it goes back to our investors as a profit again. Hmm. That's, that's, that's neat. And uh, where are you located? We're located in Marietta, California, but our, 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 our development is in Desert Hot Springs. And here's the reason. If you're looking to invest in cannabis, there's really three cities right now in, in California that are not only cannabis friendly, right, which is important, but they have really unlimited licensing and then they have really great tax rates. And those are, that's, that's kind of your trifecta. And, and for a developer, the reason is because I can't go in there and build 10 buildings with 50 different condos if I don't have a city that allows multiple, uh, multiple licenses, right? Because I'm going to want to sell all of those to somebody different. The, the reality is 57% of cultivators or growers in the United States are mom and pop organizations earning less than $50,000 or $500,000 mm. a year. So they can't afford a $10, billion or a $10 million uh, development. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, help me understand this. So you said that you are, you, the plan is to develop 10 buildings and to sell uh, about eight buildings? Is that Correct, yep. Okay, so uh, when you say building, uh, so it would be sold by a building or uh, it's like condo or small warehouse or how, how would that work? So what we're building is what they call light industrial condos. Okay. So they're basically a slab with um, framing under them wrapped either with panels or wrapped with metal. And we're doing panels because panels have an R rating of a 50 to 80. But then inside they're cut up into 3,000 square foot condos. So mm. one, con one building may have eight condos in it. One building may have 12 condos. Like one of our buildings is 24,000 square feet. One of our buildings is 23,000 square feet. Right. We've okay. got two that are 18. Then we've got another six that are 12. So depending on what building you're looking at, that would depend on a, how much it costs and how many different condos are within it. But we have probably somewhere around 15 to 20 different people that want to uh, lease or buy the condos. Then we have another five or six people who want to buy an entire building that's already pre-leased in their IRA or 401k. And then we have three different companies from Canada who actually want to buy the entire development, which we're also looking at because if we do that, then we're going to be buying another piece and basically, basically upping our game, right? So mm. we would turn this into almost a $15 million profit and roll that into this 45 parcel that we're looking at that's right along I-10 which would give everybody a better, uh, a better return overall anyways. And, and our goal is to be doing five of these within the next five years. Oh, wow. Um, so so I, I really like the multiple exit strategies. You, you absolutely have, you have leasing, you have selling and in individual investors, then you're talking to comp big corporations in Canada. Yep. So that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, um, 
advantageous we're, for investors. We're uh, pre-selling it. I mean, that's the whole idea is pre-selling this because when we're talking, when we pre-sell it, the whole way this works is once we get to our track map and our CUP, then we're allowed to pre-sell. At that point, we have somebody that comes in and they go, here's 5% down. We then give them 30 days to, to basically inspect the property, inspect everything, know what's going on. And then at the end of that 30 days, they give us another 5%. So now we have 10% in an escrow account. Once we're two weeks away from construction, they then put another 15% into the escrow account, giving us basically 25% of the sales price to build out that building that in essence is about a 30% cost to build of the, of the sales price. So it really only exposes about 5%, but because we're doing it in phases, it's even less than that. And, and really when it comes down to it, most investors want their money protected. And when you pre-sell your development, you're protecting everything. Oh, I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's the only way for us to go. And when people are worried about, well, is it going to work? We lost out on two buildings because we couldn't put the money together within two weeks. And they pre-sold this entire development. 19 oh, buildings wow. was pre-sold as dirt. Dirt. Mm. Nothing up, just dirt, man. And they, they pre-sold the whole thing. So that's when we moved into the development going, that's, that's a safer way for us to invest with our investors because it has a higher return and it has a better um, risk mitigation uh, stature, really. I see. So uh, I have one more question about leasing and selling. So uh, when you get the permit and licensing, is it tied to your business or is it tied to the building? So that's a great question. So when you, when you look at the property as a whole, right? When you look at the ground, the ground gets a CUP is what they call it or a conditional use permit, which okay. I thought initially was only for, because I'd never done development before cannabis, right? So I thought it was just yeah. cannabis related, but it's anything. Like if you wanted to do a liquor store in this building, you'd have to get a CUP or a conditional uh, use permit okay. to do a liquor store in that. I so did not CUP, know that. I didn't either. So CUPs <laughs> are for anything, right? So the CUP stays with the land. So mm -hmm. if this land is designated cannabis, then yes, it can stay cannabis. But let's say now you come in and you lease one of these properties and you put in a dispensary, right? And then you decide that you want to take that dispensary to another, uh, another building that is in the green zone. You can do that and your, your license stays with you, not with the building. Only the CUP stays with the building. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, um, I have one more question. Um, sure. How would someone leasing the condo from you get the licensing as well uh, so, tied to their business? So that, that's a great question as well. And this is one of the reasons we called real estate the golden shovel. In order to get a license, you either have to own the real estate. So you're signing off a letter basically saying, I own the real estate and I understand cannabis is going to be in here. And you, you turn that in for the licensing or you have to get a letter from the, the owner Lena. saying, hey, I know, or the landlord saying, hey, I understand that they're doing cannabis and we're allowing that to happen because California allows it from a, a, from a state standpoint. Da, 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 da. But that's, okay. that's, how, that's how it works. And that's why we believe controlling that real estate is so important because that gives us the ability to, uh, to really uh, grow with the industry. The other aspect is the reason cannabis has become 90% approved in, in the United States, 73% of Americans think that, that cannabis should be overturned and should be legalized, period, across the United States. 
So when you look at that, the reason behind that is because of all the personal connections. It's because of the people, it's because of everybody's grandma or their grandpa or their sister or their mother or their brother or their son right. or their, you know what I mean? And so those are the messages that need to get out. And those are the things that are going to help change the way everything is looked. And that's why we're looking at, at testing because we want to make sure that, look, if it's somebody's grandma or mom that's taking this product, that that grandma or mom knows exactly what it is that they're taking. So we, we did discuss about the real estate side and you just brought up testing as well. Yeah. So um, can we uh, talk about that test, testing labs? Yeah, well, that, that's one of the best parts. You know, when we talk about some of the, the real positives of testing labs, one of the main reasons we did it was because we have family that's been affected by cannabis and we want to ensure that, hey, if they're going to be taking cannabis, that we, we want to make sure that they're taking what they think that they're taking, right? That it doesn't yeah. pesticide, that it isn't, instead of a 25 milligram it's brownie. It's the right dosage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of that, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the things. But the other side of it is this, the simple fact that we knew five or three different dispensaries that had to throw product away on, on, the, on June, was it June 1st? on June 1st because they couldn't get it tested so that it was legal because on June 1st, you had a few new tests that came available or that were required. In December 31st, another grouping of tests are required that are going to be in addition to what's already required. And again, putting a higher strain on all of these testing labs that are actually doing cannabis. And so that's why we see that as a as a benefit and as a golden shovel. Here's the other thing. When Mark did the math, just paying all the equipment off in one year, we were still earning $35,000 a week off testing. So the reality is there's not only a ton of money in that industry just testing, but there's a huge amount of opportunity for us there as well. Now, it's not as cool as having your own brand. It's not as cool as having your own, you know, uh, edible or or whatever, whatever, right? It it doesn't have that coolness factor, but what it does have is a generational wealth factor. And that's what we were really looking for. Yeah. And and that's what this podcast is about, helping people build wealth. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to the real estate and the testing lab. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's say an investor or even myself, as I'm looking into this, want to invest in real estate um, side, then it would be a different investment, right? So that's where you have it. Well, here's why this is so amazing. And I think this is part of what gets lost in translation. On the real estate side, when we're talking about the Reg D that's for accredited investors, we're literally about eight to nine months away from handing everybody their, their returns, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're, in the, we're in the last quarter of this thing. We're almost through all of our entitlement work. And once that's done, it's off to the races because we already have a ton of people that wanna buy them. And then all we have to do is build it. Now, traditionally, people would go and get a loan for this construction loan, right? And the construction loan might be $2 million, $3 million. If the federal government legalizes it, that's still going to take a couple of years. But there's going to be a lot of people that want to get in on these construction loans for pre-sold properties. That's why we put together the Reg A, because the Reg A is going to come in and it's going to lend to the Reg D for that construction loan. And that'll put that Reg A at within a year 
doubling or tripling its money because of the investment that it made with the Reg D. And that's why we, we uh. really love what we're doing because look, we already have a product that's almost done. So we're gonna just, instead of borrowing the money, we're gonna let the Reg A earn that return instead. So instead of us paying 3% on the money, we'll go ahead and give the Reg A that return and that still everybody's making an insane amount of, of, uh, of ROI. I see. And let's say if someone just wants to get involved on the testing lab side, how would that work? They would be in the Reg A, the Reg okay, A plus. So that's the be... Reg A plus, mm -hmm. right? So yep. where 420 is the number. Four, that's <laughs> and, and again, you know, we have, I think I have one person that put in 20 grand in that, in that fund. Right. We've had people put in 15. So it doesn't mean that 420 is all you have to put in, right. but we wanted it accessible to everyone. everyone. And, and I that's like why. that idea. Yeah. yeah. Of course, by putting 420 bucks, you are not going to get the return <laughs> or you would. Right. It well, as a percentage sense. rate, you would still get it, but it, right. it also allows anybody that just wants to dip their foot in right. and goes, it's, it's an amount that anybody can go, well, if it goes all sideways, then who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if that's you, the other thing we wanted. <laughs> if you stop drinking uh, coffee yeah. once a week, you can't get that. Exactly. <laughs> people, people gamble more than that away in, exactly. a, in, a, in a 10 minute time frame. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a great, great point. Uh, is there anything else I, we haven't spoke about? I don't think so. I, I just think that right now you're talking about a product that has been illegal for over 80 years. Yeah. 80 years it's been illegal. And in that time frame, not only has it grown in popularity, but it's also grown in in amount of usage and everything else. So you have this pro this project that's or this um this product that literally is coming off of a schedule one drug that it should have never been on. And it's putting an opportunity in the world for us right now that will never, ever, ever be there again. You're never going to have another property or another, um, you're never going to have another product come out of a schedule one drug and become regulated ever. Is that going to happen? Right? Yeah. So this is a moment in time where really you're going to look back and go, either I got involved in or I, or, or I didn't. And it's going to be bigger than the internet and bigger than, um, prohibition. And that's just a reality. By 2027, they, they expect cannabis to be the largest contributor to our economy. And here's why. When you look at DHS alone, you've got a, a, a city that has a small population, but now has 800 acres that are being developed. Those 800 acres are going to be bringing in high paying jobs. So 100,000, 200,000 jobs. Those people are not going to want to transition or, or, um, go to work to and from work an hour or two a day. So they're going to end up moving out there. Right now, there's no grocery stores. There's no housing. There's no apartments. There's no oh. hotels. So all this infrastructure is going to be, it needs to be built around where these communities are happening. And that's going to be another really big piece to our economy and to those who want to be in the boom without being in the business. Yeah, I did not think about that. It's crazy. So, yeah, pretty interesting. I am personally interested as well, as I mentioned when we spoke at the New Orleans Investment Conference. And yeah. that was one of the reasons I thought, you know, I would invite you on this podcast and talk about this. Sure. Uh, again, I'm hoping um, to, you know, um, continue this and hopefully uh, work with you. Uh, and when I'm there uh, next time in uh, LA area, I would come by.
Yeah. And that uh, I will also recommend to listeners as well. It's, it's always if you are doing due diligence and if you are in the area, um, reach out or, you know. We've had investors come by before they put in money. We've had investors come by after they put in money. It's all a thing. We got a sprinter van so that we can take them around, show them the town, show them the community and show them why this is such a big deal and, and why this is such a great and an, an important uh, time to invest. So uh, just the last uh, couple of questions. Uh, let's say, you know, someone puts uh, 100K into the Reg D side. Yes. What kind of return um, can they expect? Again, you know, it's all hypothetical, but- All, you know, all hypothetical. Sure, yeah. sure, but the way that we have it, um, even on our flyers, if you look at it, is around 97. Is that right? 97% for the Reg D return? No, 137 now, right? 96 to 132 is the estimated return. Um, and that's, that's within a year. Now that's based off of us not pre-selling the, the, the buildings. So when we pre-sell those buildings, that ROI is going to shoot up. But we don't want to, again, it's all about under-promising over-deliver. So okay. as long as you're okay with those returns, then you're going to be super excited with the returns you actually get. And what about the Reg A plus side? Let's say I put 10 grand into it. That, that's going to be a little different because now you're going to be, it'll depend on how many people are in the, in the fund at the time when we get the return and it'll be dividends that'll be on a quarterly basis. Okay. And again, you're going to have dividends, but you also own the shares, right? So it's yeah. not the same as, as a Reg D where you, like you put in the 100 grand and then you get the 97,000 in return. Then we give you back your hundred grand. Then you're getting you're done. It's not the yeah. same. It's not the same as that. It's the, you're buying a share, just like you're buying a stock, except you're buying that stock prior to it going on the stock market or the uh -huh. stock exchange. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that, that, that helps a lot. So, um, I don't think I have any more questions again, because okay. I already spoke with you and I have an understanding, um, about this opportunity. Sure. So thank you so much, Pete. You got it. Call. Really appreciate it. Uh, if any of the listeners, they are interested in the opportunity, they can reach out to me and I, I would connect you uh, with Pete as well. That's Thank beautiful. you, everyone. Thank Have you nice so much. Day. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with friends. See you next week for more wealth building tips. Until then, invest with purpose.